This is our test. This is our this is our first pancake. This is our Connor Roy, if you will. Oh yes, this is our Connor Roy. We will get to the Shiv and the Logan and the Roman of it all, but right now yes. we're still getting through the, the Connor Roy. Yeah, we'll get to our number one boy once we get cooking. <laughs> yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to our brand new podcast where we are talking about what we're watching. I am Claire. And I am Brianna. And who are we? We're two people who love watching television and movies and content and everything in the culture. As long as we don't have to read. (laughs) As long as we don't have to read, we will watch it. I will watch a book. I will not read a book. Hey everybody, this is Claire jumping in real quick to let you know that since recording our first pancake, we named our podcast Millennialavision, rhymes with smellavision, because we are millennials who were raised by television and really use it to process and digest all of life. So whether we're discussing stuff we were brought up on or current TV that we can't get enough of, we're talking about it. And we would love for you to connect with us and let us know what you are watching. All right, see you on the other side. Sometime in the last few years, I think it must have been because of the pandemic, I got really deep into TV, especially what they refer to as the prestige TV shows, the the ones you could just really deep dive into and analyze. However, I love all kinds of TV. I love the sitcoms. However, I'm not a huge reality person just because I don't have it really as part of my... Your repertoire? My repertoire. My (laughs) oeuvre. But... That's changing, thanks to you. Mm-hmm. You gotta get you into the trainers, and that's my that's my opening the door for Real Housewives. That's the real secret <laughs> here. What would you say are your some of your favorite watches? What do you like to watch? So, I I'm one of those people that I kind of watch everything surprisingly, except for movies. I'll sit down if I'm in the mood for a movie here and there, or if there's something I'm really excited about. Like you know, I was for various reasons excited about Barbie so I made it a point to watch Barbie but otherwise I don't really get excited about movies yeah so my experience with TV and kind of when I got into it actually goes way back to the early 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 Netflix days Uh, when I worked at Best Buy I was 17 years old before everyone had Netflix one of the things that I had to do was actually quote-unquote sell Netflix and get people enrolled as a streaming service and so When I finally signed up for that, I used to always make sure I had a new DVD coming in. And that's when I fell in love with Desperate Housewives and I watched The Sopranos and One Tree Hill and just really kind of fell in love with fully episodic television. I then got into, you know, the intense stuff of 24. I mean, I just always had a DVD coming. And so as everything moved into streaming and TV has gone through, and I think you would agree, just like a really incredible evolution as far as the types of TV shows being made. Yes. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. It was interesting to me that you don't watch so many movies because to me, TV and movies have so much overlap now, especially just with the quality. And it's sort of like, I think I saw a tweet or something one time that was like, do you want to watch a two hour movie or a six hour movie? That's basically like, you know, a, a season of TV now is just like one long movie. So it's interesting that you say that because people ask me all the time, like, what is it? What's the difference? How do you really break that up or define it? And I honestly think it's an ADHD thing. Really? Even if I sit down and watch a movie, I watch it for about 45 minutes to an hour and then I get bored. 
and I walk away and do something else. That's interesting. Even if I'm sitting down and I'm really binging and watching three hours of TV, I'm still getting it broken up in these smaller episodes Mm -hmm. and almost like smaller, what feel like smaller storylines that progress. Whereas movies, I feel like you got to sit down and take on this whole thing. And in my brain, it's just not as enjoyable. Yes. And you're right. Streaming has changed that a bunch because we can watch so many more movies at home now. So Mm -hmm. it's... I find myself doing that too. I'll start watching a movie and I'll get distracted. I'll go do something else. And then by, before I know it, I have to rewind like half the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common thing. But, you know, <laughs> I still love it. I love them. Love to know what's happening, especially now that it's award season. I like to see what's popular, what's controversial for being nominated, even though the whole system is pretty problematic. <laughs> it's just like so silly that this little like group of people is saying what is best when in reality, what is best to you is what you like the most. It's so, it's totally. so subjective. It's yeah. art. It's literally not meant to be rewarded the same way you can reward something like I don't know, I would say like a sport or like, you know, something that has just like clear guidelines. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to, uh, we could probably do a whole episode on that in general, just of how, you know, awards bring really subjective bias into other people's art as far as, de- de- you know, deeming and determining what's good yeah. and what's not good. Totally. But I did think it was funny and actually where this, I feel like kind of barked as far as us like initially chatting about doing this idea for a podcast was we've been talking about the Emmys and yeah you had said you you know I told you that I don't really care about the Oscars and mm-hmm. so that gives you a little insight into why is because I don't really watch a ton of the movies yeah and it makes sense too because like you were saying before it's like it's not only the people who are voting on the awards it's just like the people who even have access to make that kind of yep. content in the be- in the exactly. whole beginning of the process exactly it's such an interesting landscape and now going back to TV there are so many streamers so many channels there are so many good shows that go unwatched and don't have audiences because there's so much of it and then there's also a lot of stuff that I'm like how did this get made (laughs) (laughs) but we'll talk about it so uh, what we have been watching that we've been hinting at is our new favorite show The The Traitors Which I guess it's not a new show because it is. Where did it originate? The UK. I, th- I want. I think the first Australia? season was in like Australia or New Zealand. I want to say it was the original, but they've done it in UK, and I think the US has been the last one to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's all based on you know a similar similar concept. Yes, and so we're in the second season now. However, this season does feel more popular than the last one, and you were the one that turned me on to this season because I think I started to watch the first season and I was like yeah okay but not really for me because it is a competition reality show like a puzzle kind of Mm -hmm. or how would you describe it what is this category so one thing that I should touch on is I would consider myself a reality tv connoisseur yes yes I you know especially when you get into bravo I watch every city of housewives um one that I actually haven't watched, and I can kind of give more details on this, is Survivor. But I've watched a oh, ton yeah. of Big Brother. Um, you know, I just really enjoy I don't watch The Challenge. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy the physical competition shows as much. Mm-hmm. What I love are the, and, and I would put the traders under this, is I love the social strategy games. Yes, totally. And, 
totally. It's part of actually, even though Real Housewives and all these other Bravo shows are not what I would consider social strategy games, they're not within that realm at all. But one thing that I love, and I always have a hard time kind of explaining this in a way that makes sense or is at least intriguing to people. I love the sociology of it. I love yes. really seeing it's so how, interesting how people interact and how people talk to each other and how people, I mean, especially with something like the Traders or Big Brother, it really is just about figuring out like how you can kind of, I don't, when I use the word manipulate, it sounds really bad because it, there's obviously a negative it is manipulation. Like on that's, manipulate, they're literally manipulating the other people to do, to get what they want. What they want. Yeah, exactly. And I love it because I think there's so many different personality types in there and there's only so much they reveal about what's going on in their head and the moves mm-hmm. that they're going to make. And so I really enjoy those. Um, and I did watch season one of Traders. There was a bunch of stuff that I was like, wow, that was a, that was really cool and that was really fun. And it would be great if they did X, Y, Z. And they made pretty much all of those changes. And so I think a lot of that is why season two is so popular. And the difference between season two and season one, the big glaring difference is... Season one was cast with 50% reality stars and 50% what I would call normies, just regular people off the street. And I think when you go into casting 100% reality stars, now you have people that are very comfortable having a camera in their face all the time. And you just get more entertaining results because they're not new at this. Well, and I think even for me, who hasn't watched most of those shows, like I think the only show... I had watched was RuPaul's Drag Race, so I knew Peppermint this season. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I've seen Trishel and CT because, like, they've been in reality shows. Real world. Way back. Ever. Um, So I was familiar with them as well. But I think, yeah, what's so cool about it is these people all know what they're doing. And because of that, it makes them even more suspicious of each other. And depending on which show they've been on and which kind of background they have, that also plays into the game. So it's just like layer upon layer of what everybody's dealing with. I think it's funny that you bring that up because you'll notice on one of the, it was, I think the second episode of the traders, you know, Johnny bananas is already gone. But one of the questions that was asked is who are the two people here that Johnny bananas said he trusts? Yeah. And it was the people from his show. Yes. And that's like, yes, there are alliances happening and the housewives are like fully totally. there to support each other, but they all know they're actually there for themselves. Well, and, and you saw the same thing on this latest episode with Dan and Janelle. Dan and Janelle, they played Big Brother together. They've played Big Brother together multiple times, and they are friends in real life. Janelle has lost Big Brother, which is currently, I think when they were playing, I want to say it was $500,000. Now it's $750,000, so they've increased over the years, but... Dan is the reason that Janelle, yeah, totally. (laughs) It's probably not even actually worth more money. Yeah, Dan's the reason that Janelle has lost uh, at least once in the past. I can probably Uh, give you at least another. But it was interesting, you know, they come in and of course they're like, okay, we know each other, so we trust each other. But then Janelle is also saying, Dan, I know you and I know that you're a traitor. I know this playbook. (laughs) And so she's also kind of in turn trying to throw him under the bus. So it's interesting to see how those alliances shift. For the listeners, we should probably <laughs> give a quick rundown of the traders and what the structure of it is in case you haven't watched it. And But you should watch it. It's We're five episodes in now. We're kind of just loosely going to go over, I think, and what happens. And it's an happens. easy watch. It's very interesting. Yeah. So it's, and funny. Um, 
It's funny and okay, so it's hosted by the amazing Alan Cumming, who has the most fabulous outfits. And the premise is mm. we have come to his castle in Scotland. <laughs> I love that he says my castle. My castle. <laughs> Traitors. Um, and <laughs> so how many people did it start with? I have no idea. Like it started with 16, 21. 21. No, it started with okay. 21. And, and this is actually an interesting point when we get, you know, to current episode with Kate coming on. As I remember when he said 21 people, I was like, huh. Normally, we don't start with an odd number, so I thought that was interesting, but when, um, what's his name, Deontay left, I was like, oh, maybe it's fine, but anyways, yeah. go ahead. Okay, so we have everybody at the castle arrives, and they are told that most of them are faithfuls, and then, do they know, I don't know if they know how many will be assigned to they be traitors. They have no idea how many. So they know some of them will be assigned to be traitors, and every night, the traitors will conspire to murder which again this show is like so, so, so dramatic they, like talk of, it's so over the top and dramatic and it's beautiful i should mention it's filmed, the cinematography it's and the sound so everything's pretty. beautiful yeah the soundtrack is very intense it's like so much and so when they're talking about their strategy they're talking about we have to murder this person tonight and it's like oh my god wow what i mean i guess that's what this game is because it's literally like the game the party game murder so it's mm-hmm. like there's a murderer their goal is to kill people because if they survive at the end of it they get this pot of money that they Mm -hmm. work towards earning by doing challenges yes i believe the total pot can be up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but it is dependent supposedly we'll see how this pans out it is dependent on what they win in each individual challenge exactly yeah yeah i think that's exactly it and so the first night they all sit at a round table again very dramatic at the round table and uh, Alan Cumming goes around and selects people via heads up, seven up by like they close their <laughs> eyes and he taps them on the shoulder. They don't know how many people have been tapped, but almost immediately people are accusing each other of being a traitor. <laughs> Breathing <because> wrong. They <laughs> breathe. <laughs> That's my favorite thing in this show so far. They're like, I don't know. Last night you were blinking your eyes. Uh, I think that means you might be a traitor because I don't know. A faithful John, you need were to breathing. get dust out of their eye. Yeah, John, you're breathing. He's like, I have asthma. <laughs> and so they're just like immediately on high alert for the most nothing, little nothing. Um, oh, okay. So then, then the traitors conspire every night and they decide they're going to murder one of the faithfuls, but then they have a round table the next day where they all, they all vote out via survivor style. Everybody gets one vote. They're trying to eliminate traitors ideally, but they also will just eliminate whoever they all agree on who could also be a faithful. And so far in this. also just be breathing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so, so far in this season, they've all been way off. They have eliminated zero out of three traitors. Oh, so actually wait. So we got two traitors to start with. Yeah, and yep, then yep. those two traitors, Dan and Phaedra, were allowed to choose a third traitor to play with them, which was, again, interesting because they sort of um, auditioned people to see mm-hmm. who might make mm-hmm. a good third traitor. And then, again, with the strategy, yeah, you're thinking, who will help my game? Like, who can mm-hmm. help me when I get in a pickle? Or who will be easy to maybe get rid of? Because Dan even says, because they end up choosing poverty, Parvati. <laughs> no, oh no, I did the thing. It's a very common thing, and I could give some background on that too and give a little please, bit of context please, on Survivor. Please, please. But I mean, it's a unique name, no matter what. And I think I, I think when people say it so quickly at, 
as well, then it just sounds like poverty. Like I watched MJ on Watch What Happens Live and even Andy at one point accidentally called her poverty and then he kind of like laughed it off. He was like, sorry, poverty. But then he said to MJ, remember that you called her poverty? And like they don't realize that they're doing it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, apologies to Parvati. So Dan even says, I think she'd be a good trader because I can get rid of her later if I need mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But she, known as the Black Widow, she will be easily manipulated to do his work. And we've kind of seen that a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, so... So we have those three as our traders, and um, then we have challenges in the first few episodes, and they keep voting out faithfuls because there's a lot of drama that happens where people are making up things to make reasons as to why someone is a traitor, and because all of these people are so well-versed in the survivor of it all, the big brother Mm -hmm. of it all, they are Mm -hmm. convincing to their other faithfuls Mm -hmm. that certain people should be voted out. So they're way off. I think in those earlier episodes and however, you know, this show's already been renewed for a third season. So however many seasons we see of this, I think this is going to be a common thing that we see at least in the first two episodes where you're going to get people kind of going, well, you twitched when I said so-and-so's name, like just looking for any reason. So I, so I want to back up a little bit. I, you know, as a, as a person that I would consider myself terminally online and very deeply embedded into the housewives, I can give a little bit more context on really what that first kind of part looked like. And then I can also share a little bit of context. Like I said, I'm not a survivor watcher, but I, I'll, I'll kind of go back and give a little context on that as well. So when they're apparently, so I listened to uh, Tamara Judge's podcast. Um, she kind of just like this quickly spun up a traders podcast and had Janelle on. And in listening to her podcast, essentially what they had said is they're in the car together for three hours when they get off the plane on the way wow. to the castle. So in them being in the car together, obviously what they're doing is they're building really great relationships. They're bonding with each other. But what they had kind of said that they figured out very quickly is there was most likely, you know, when you've got three traders, there's probably a trader in each car, essentially. But because mm -hmm. they've got those alliances built, um, they don't necessarily see that right away. And another thing that they talked about on the podcast, and they're not able to show this just due to copyright issues uh, on the actual stream, but they said that this is the first show that they've been on where there's basically like no production involvement, which I was happy to hear because then I think you and I talked about this via text message. Yeah. Like how much of this is like acting? How much of this is real? And essentially there's just so many cameras that are placed all throughout yeah. the castle that when they're sitting at the round table, they said it was a trip that they're sitting at the round table for the very first time. No one really knows what to expect. And all of a sudden just a bunch of cameras drop down and they hear the <laughs> Hunger Games song playing. That's so wild that they actually use the Hunger Games song. And and what it accomplished is creating that paranoia where you're looking at the person next to you who's just breathing and you're going, oh shit. But don't you think that's so smart of the producers to stay out of it because that that even makes them more paranoid because they're not getting any kind of direction and they're used to getting that in the past. So therefore... Mm -hmm. Since all of these people have worked in reality television before, Mm. they have the producer's voice in their head 
without the producers actually telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. So there's that additional bit of like knowing what they would want, Mm -hmm. but still having agency over the actual moves they're making. So that's really Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the context that I want to kind of give on Parvati and the assumption, and this will actually go into, so I have a really interesting theory for what we just saw in episode five and where I think things might be going. Um, When I watched season one of Traders, and I would encourage you and anyone that listens to this to watch season one, it's not going to be anywhere near, it's very fun and great and entertaining. I loved it. It was very popular. Season two has exceeded all expectations, but there was a woman by the name of Sri on season one. And when I tell you um, just... An all, she's the person, you, you know, when you um, see someone on TV, even if they're acting or playing a character, they just have a vibe about them that kind of comes through your TV screen. Where that person is just so likable. They have a great energy. That was Sari to me. And, you know, she was made a traitor. And when she was introduced, she was kind of introduced as the most legendary survivor player that has never won. And I watched her play Traders, and when I tell you, I think she played a perfect game, completely masterful. Um, I was piqued, my curiosity was piqued, uh, because what, like, if she's so great at Traders, Survivor is obviously very different. It's way, 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 way more competitive and physical, but I'm kind of going, where, where was the disconnect there? So, so Re actually ended up being on the latest season of Big Brother as well. And so when they found out that she was going to be on Big Brother, I kind of said, let me go back and watch her seasons of Survivor so that I can just get to know a little bit more about, you know, what the deal is. Thankfully, Survivor is only like 12 episodes, so it's a pretty quick watch. And there was a season, I want to say it was, I think they were in Fiji. Don't quote me on that, but I think they were in Fiji. Anyways, essentially what happened is if you think of having like a puppet master and little puppets, uh, Sari was the puppet master and she had all these little puppets. And one of them was Parvati. And Sari is... um, One of those people that you could be like, I suspect her. I can't stand her. She's, you know, manipulating this, manipulating that. And then you go and you talk to her and you walk away going, oh, Suri, you're the only person here that I trust. And it's just incredible. And so there were (laughs) the way that things ended up kind of panning out towards the end of that is there were, you know, a couple of guys on there that were certainly younger in age, just more happy to be there that... (laughs) Um, honestly, Sari would kind of go to Parvati and say, I think we can get them to do this. Oh, it was winners versus fans. That's what it was. And so Parvati and Sari, they had already been on before and the people that were joining were fans and they were just like happy and excited to oh, be there. Interesting. And so they got these guys and they meaning like it was Sari's plan that Parvati went and executed on to give up their, like they would have immunity idols that basically granted them free from being voted off that week that they would just give to one of the women. And so there were four women left at the very end of it that essentially one by one went and picked off every single man by just (laughs) manipulating them and getting them to... I remember they, they do this thing in Survivor where you can essentially like, it's like an endurance competition. You can hold on to something for a certain oh, amount yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. And if you, do, if you 
are the winner. You get to eat 1,200 burgers or whatever. And so I remember they they manipulated this guy into letting go. It was like, okay, if I hold on, I can be safe and I can win all these burgers. And they were like, okay, we'll drop, drop, drop. And they were like, we promise we won't vote you out. We promise we won't vote you out. And they turned around and voted him out. Oh so that's God. why they call poverty Black Widow because essentially what she's really good at doing is just being this really tiny, petite woman who just is easy to like and easy to talk to but she will take you out without batting an eye so when dan is recruiting her he knows that sari has done this before Mm -hmm. sari has been able to establish a master plan where she's able to pull the strings and parvati is doing whatever she will ask now the unfortunate thing about that season of survivor which dan also is aware of and you have to be careful of is parvati won because mm. Parvati then, you know, there was like this fluke thing at the end that we don't even need to get into, but Parvati ended up winning. So here you've got the person that's got this master plan versus the executor of it, and the executor is the one that won. So I have theories about the latest episode okay. and and Dan well, and the Dan of it all. Well, we can get to the latest talk episode. To yeah. What's happened in season two, episode five, which is the one we're talking about. Um, well, let's go back to episode four and give a little context there about you know, how it ended up in the turret. Oh, oh, okay, wait, the poison, that's the poisoning episode, or the one Yeah, but one. kind of what Parvati did at the round table as far as, like, throwing oh, the okay, housewives right. under so the bus. Oh, okay, right, so at the yeah. round table, Parvati basically started to poke at the housewives, and she was like, oh, look, what if it's one of them? They're all working together or whatever, which made Phaedra very angry because she is a housewife, and so Phaedra was literally like, how dare you say that? Do not put any kind of suspicion on me but i do (laughs) she's so amazing (laughs) but i do love it because in that situation she was like okay i will forgive you this one time but that's it basically and i believe her like because then Mm -hmm. she was like okay let's proceed and do our work Mm -hmm. by choosing you know who's Mm -hmm. going was there anything else no but i think the reason that i wanted to go back to that episode is there's been some conversation online about whether or not what parvati did as far as quote we'll call it exposing or you know kind of starting to shine a light on the housewives there's some conversation online of is that dan's master plan and and i think that comes from one people that have watched dan on big brother know this is how he plays and he does play a long game and he is very good at having of doing things that he's not even clear that he's doing it and so the the conversation that I've seen on Twitter especially being on Big Brother Twitter is is this Dan's master plan that poverty went and poisoned whoever it was going to be Dan didn't really care too much at the time but he's now going oh because I told poverty like we need to give them some blood Parvati is now planting the seed about the housewives and Dan is able to take a step back and kind of play dumb. I don't think, mm. I don't think Phaedra bought it, oh, but kind no. of play dumb no, and go she like, even said to him, she's like, like, you're doing like, it right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But kind he's of take a so step. obvious. He's being way too obvious, but at least they're catching on to him. So basically Dan, his whole method to this point has been to not say anything, to not suspect anyone yet. He is a traitor. So it is very obvious that something is up. <laughs> Which seems Uh, so stupid coming from someone who seems to be a very seasoned player at this type of thing. Well, okay, so I want to share my theory. And the first thing I want to say about Dan not saying anything is we see a kind of flash forward to episode six at the end of episode five, where we see Dan kind of seeming like he's going to strongly accuse somebody. 
And I think that's really interesting because when you have someone, when you have some, anyone, whether it's Dan or anyone going, I'm not going to say anything until I feel more sure. I have my eye on people and my eye on someone specific, but I'm not going to say anything until I'm sure. So now when that person does say something, it's going to automatically carry more weight with every single person that's listening to it. And I think we're going to see that. I think he's going to kind of say, I've been hesitant to point fingers at anybody until I have some real evidence. Yeah. And I think what he's saying is going to carry some and weight he, because of is, holding back a little. You're right. And he, it is true. He has already wiggled himself out of some things like this last episode. He, he was accused. That. He was correctly accused by correctly several people. Accused. <laughs> and then he was able to turn it right around on what's her face, Janelle. Mm-hmm. who then ended up getting voted out. Yep. That is what Dan does. It's what he's very, very good at. So to give some background on episode five, you know, they've got a challenge and the house is divided. Six people inside, six people outside. Alan says, if you're outside, there's going to be some shields. Last season, they did, They were really stupid with the shields last season. It was one of the changes I was hopeful and they so would make. And shield so, is like the immunity idol. The immunity idol, Twitter. yeah. And... It's been fun watching The Shield because you kind of see who's going to be selfish and go for it or who thinks they really need to fight for it because they might be on the chopping block. And so um, Trishel and Bergy went and found The Shield. But Peter, Peter's been really impressing me (laughs) in his gameplay. This was an impressive (laughs) move. Yeah, it was. He had kind of gone to the other four people that were outside and they had quickly said, don't say anything, don't say anything. If you have The Shield, don't say anything anything and what that does is it divides the house you've now got six people if any one of them can have a shield the the castle um you've got six people and any one of them can have the shield and so peter's kind of going i'm going to set up this trap we're going to plant the seed that peter and janelle me and janelle have the shield but really trishelle and bergy have it and so what i'm hoping is that the traders by thinking janelle or peter have the shield they're really hoping that Oh, maybe a traitor stumbles into, you know, trying to evict or murder well, a, a Bergie. Because he specifically told people he suspects are traitors, hoping that then they would yes. use that info to then get rid of somebody yes. who doesn't Peter, have a shield and accidentally choose someone who does. Was who that the does. plan? Okay. Yeah. So, so what Peter did was he ba- and this is was a killer move by him. He basically, he went to three, he, he, there were a couple of people that were like groups of people, but he targeted three people specifically that he yeah. thought were traitors. One was Dan, one was Parvati, and the third one was Sandra. And he went to them and he said, hey, don't tell anybody, please don't tell anybody, like, I'm just telling you this. And this is like a thing you see in Big Brother, so all of them, like, hey, I'm going to trust you. It's like kind of a way of, like, trying to build an alliance. But, like, hey. So that's why you would tell someone that? Because to me, I'd be like, why would you give me that info that you don't need to give me? I think one thing to be considerate of is there are so much alliance and relationship things that we really don't get to see because we only have an hour of an episode to watch. So there is a world where I could see Peter kind of going to somebody like Dan and having maybe one other person being there and being like, hey, like, don't tell anyone. Especially if Peter's going to paint himself as the guy who just says too much all the time. Mm. Maybe he's just blabbing his mouth. Um, And that's kind of a risky move, but he kind of has two of the three traitors picked between Dan, Parvati, and Sandra. He seems to have had Dan as a suspect earlier than anybody else. Since day one. Yeah. He's he's the first one. I think this is a good time to do our Alan's fit check. Oh, yes. (laughs) Because 
Alan is wearing Alan's fit check. So he is wearing an amazing plaid gray suit mm-hmm. with a feather, like a white feather ascot, <laughs> a giant purple fur coat, and a green beret with a peacock feather. I do have the peacock. And all of the feathers make sense because this challenge is a bird challenge. <laughs> Which we didn't talk about, which would be an amazing time to talk about this challenge, which was so funny. So basically, there's an outside team, there's an inside team. The outside team has to find these birds from various places and hear their bird call. Then relay the bird call to the inside team. Via walkie-talkie. Via walkie-talkie. Then the inside team has to find that bird because we're in a giant castle that has all these, you know artifacts and things and they're a bunch of birds and so they have to find the bird and locate the same bird call and so they do it because they all run around the house making the noise trying to replicate the noise and make sure they're getting the right one and like john is like waddling around and alan's just like laughing at him watching alan's face during this challenge was so funny just he just was like you can tell he was enjoying every second yes, of it. Absolutely. I mean, he's having so much fun doing yeah. it. Like, what a sweet gig. You just get to descend down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got these, and... like, little witty quips where he's like, hello, my paranoid people, or something like that. Yes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Al, he's so funny. Um, I was reading an article that I guess he's doing some hyperbolic, insane accent, and he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing <laughs> for this voice. <laughs> I thought like, that his ex... Yeah, I thought his accent because he's got isn't he's got an accent. Doesn't he's Scottish. He's, he is Scottish. Yeah. Okay, I was I just thought that his accent might be a little exaggerated. Yes, for sure it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, anyway, the outfit is amazing. We get the bird situation. They end up winning ten thousand dollars, and this is the point when the the people who were looking for a shield all band together and they say we've decided we're not going to share who won the shield which Don't i didn't know you could do that but i guess you can do anything in these shows yeah i mean and the producers I think, are like yes thank you yeah, so much and i think that's kind of the fun part about it being season two that's what i loved about season one is there's no uh map on how to play this you kind of do what you want and people you know in the future will watch that and decide what they want to take from that and we'll see the the show and the game evolve from that which is i love so alan's like uh something is being delivered to the castle and the thing that is being delivered is kate from below deck who i guess was on season one of the traders yeah so kate it i gotta tell you i was excited but surprised that kate was coming back to the castle and let me tell you why So Kate is very, what you see is what you get. She is not putting on some thing as to, you know, who we saw and who we met yesterday. She's very, she says what's on her mind. She's funny. She's witty. She's from Below Deck. That is actually one Bravo show that I really don't watch, but she's known as what's called the Chief Stew, which is essentially the person, aside from the captain, that's in charge of the entire staff when they go off on these big yacht trips for rich people, essentially. And she makes really good TV because when you're the chief stew and you kind of, you know, you get to boss people around. And so she's made a really big name for herself, but she was on season one of the traders. And I got to tell you, she was on season one and she was hilarious at first. There was this other girl on Rachel Riley from Big Brother, who was just incredible at Big Brother, but easily one of the more annoying people in reality television. And her and Kate went really head to head and had a lot of insane arguments, mostly about fashion. 
But Kate made it very clear she didn't want to be there. It was probably about halfway through the show. There was <laughs> there was a challenge. And this was one of the things that I was like, ah, oh, the stakes aren't high enough for these challenges. There was a challenge where they had to go through, they had to like go a, a certain distance, but they had to go through and collect things along this walk. And some were like push really big barrels uphill, like really big heavy barrels. And some were like pick up I don't remember, but like rocks or something. And if you could put rocks in a wheelbarrow, you could like wheel it up. And she would like find something and she would throw it. And she would basically be like, why would I collect all of this money for the traders to take home? The only thing that's happening is the traders are using the faithful to add all this money to the pot. <laughs> and guess what? They're going to win. So why would I get all this money for them? Why should I care? I would much rather take this money and throw it away because I don't think we have a chance to win. Similar situation. They had evicted faithful after faithful after faithful. So she really started to rub people the wrong way. And it for probably two episodes or so, it was really kind of a shitty watching experience because you're like, well... They're not even this trying. Is, you're not even trying, and this isn't fun. And she would literally, like, I think there was even a time at the round table that she wrote her own name down. Like, she wanted people <laughs> to vote her out because like, she please wanted let me go home. She wanted to leave so bad, and they refused to vote her out because, like, she even tried to convince them she was a traitor. And they were like, there's no <laughs> way she's a traitor because she a traitor would not be, like, wanting to be voted out right now. And so they ended up Which is a her. good strategy. <laughs> so she ended up realizing that it actually was a good strategy and then all of a sudden she was like oh well now that I've gotten this far I might as well try to play to win so she made it I want to say to the like second to last episode she made oh it the God. whole thing <laughs> and so seeing her come back and I do think she's probably going to be in a different headspace you know now that she gets to be the special one that the I mean the I would hope the Alan producers are like look you cannot be writing your own name in after we brought you back in the middle of the season she, yeah she was and and Tamara kind of talked about this on her podcast a little bit she's like oh and I found out I was getting on I called Kate and I said what do you know tell me everything you know what's it like there and she's like and Kate answered with one word prison it's like prison you don't have your phone you can't talk to anyone you're stuck there in the middle of nowhere you're isolated it's like prison so it's funny that Kate is coming back and I thought it was interesting that Kate kind of jumped on the bandwagon of eliminating Janelle because what I think we're going to see from Kate is I think we're going to see her with the experience from season one where they did exact like we saw them do season one week after week exactly what happened with Janelle last night where like they think they have it nailed and they're so confident and I Kate led the charge on a lot of those people in season one and like you'd see them go oh I'm a faithful and she would go there's no fucking way like I, I could have swore and so I think it'll be interesting to see how she takes things that have happened from season one and puts them into season two but I don't know if you caught this at the very end of the episode when Kate's kind of walking around she's like okay catch me up what happened yada 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 and they're kind of casually telling her about the point because she goes oh I really wanted to meet Eck and Sue I was really excited to meet her and she's like oh what happened and they're telling her about the poisoning and yeah. she kind of casually was like I I mean 
I wouldn't drink wine from somebody like yes, Parvati if she like, came and so handed savvy. it to me. And I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh she named her? Oh, I didn't even notice She that. named her. So she, we didn't mention said the, her name. the yeah. poison thing. So there was a, a situation where this must be a producer move. They're like, look, they're not getting any faithfuls. We need to make this harder. So the traders had to, quote, unquote, poison someone via getting a faithful to sip out of a distinct mug. And it would just, but An that just ended up sowing more chaos. <laughs> Yes, the rusty old mug. Um, well, so in, so in episode five, Kate was there for the vote, and she got to vote as well, which was another interesting move because the whole point was to say, well, like, plead your case. Like, make your case for someone mm-hmm. who has no mm-hmm. idea what you're talking which about. Which I loved. I loved that. I thought it was interesting. But yeah, it was super interesting. And then they ended up voting out Janelle, who Bergie was very astute by saying, no, 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 she's so too much chaos. She is mm-hmm. not a traitor. She's just like wild. <sighs> Poor but Janelle. This is it's really, I'm going to be honest. It happens to her every game. She, <laughs> she's played big brother a few times and she's gotten to the point that she's like, I'm not playing big brother anymore. Even she just played a couple years ago for their all stars. And she basically said on this podcast, I listened to, I'm not going to play anymore because they all gun for me. I, it literally, am, and she even was like, oh, you know, I'm annoying. But she was like, I'm outgoing and I'm energetic and I am fine to sow chaos, but she wins competitions. And so you either want to align with her or you want her gone. And most people want her gone. So uh, That's the interesting feel- thing about this show is everybody's that way, right? Well, not all of them. A couple of them are not experiencing this type of competition show, but most of them do play games where either they know how to build alliances and they're very strong at it or so you want them on your team or you want them gone it puts her a little bit more on a level playing field for sure but I think I don't know I think it didn't make sense to me how they essentially were saying well you've thrown all of these names out there and you've been wrong but like that's kind of the name of the game and so I don't to me I'm like is that a reason to essentially banish somebody because they have you know they're me right I'm I have a strong personality with convictions I would be no different than Janelle at that round table where I would say this person for this reason and this and like is that a reason to banish somebody I mean it's just the game right yeah that's it that's like that's the ultimate thing that's so funny about this game is that they're all there for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're all likely mm-hmm. to be eliminated. Like, that's what this is. So I'm curious. I wanted to ask you because I have a theory, but I'm curious. You know, we get to the end of episode five. We see Janelle banished. And then we see the traitors go up to the turret. Yes. At the very yes, end. Yes. Oh, my God. This part was so funny. <laughs> this part. Well, it was funny because and we should spend some time in the next episode really digging into Phaedra and kind of talking about her, you know, businesses and her degrees and everything in between as far as who she is. But she had that line where she you know, yeah, danced this, so off. What did yeah, she say? This one. I, sh- I have it here. So they're in. So Dan is just like, I know, I know I've been quiet. I'm going to start speaking up more. And they're like, yeah, you do. And you can't just say, I'm still thinking. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to sleep on it. And Phaedra's like, uh, you're doing it again right now. And then she says, get your suit ready. Because if you play like this, I'm going to be embalming you myself. <laughs> Which is and like, she- you can't write TV that quickly. That's no, brilliant. No, She's, she's an amazing improviser. She's, um... <laughs> You know, whenever people are like, which real housewife should I start with? I always say, listen, it's a lot. It's like 13 seasons, but go back. And honestly, it's great from season one. It's lower quality, of course, but Real Housewives of Atlanta, 
peaked when Phaedra was on it. And there was problematic things that happened, and we should, you know, talk about that in a future episode. But Phaedra and a lot of the women on Atlanta are so quick and so witty, and they're so smart, and they just say stuff. And the reason that was such a smart line is Phaedra's a mortician, and it's so exactly. wild. Yeah, She's an that's... attorney and a mortician, and <laughs> I'm now watching her on this new show, Married to, or she's on a show, Married to Medicine, it's been around 10 years now, where she's like, I'm a Reiki healer, and she's put wow. out a fitness DVD, so she's mm-hmm. really, you know, she, she runs the gamut, but I'm curious where you think, you know, they kind of said they want, Dan said, I want this murder, Right. He said, I'm on the chopping block and I I need this murder. And he says, I think we got to go for Birdie. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because Parvati sniffed out the trap really quickly. They're kind of chatting and Parvati says, well, Peter came to me and Peter said, you know. Yes, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he dismissed it. And he he dismissed it. And she very clearly, you know, Dan was like, oh, you know. He said the same thing to me that him and Janelle had shields, yeah. and she but Dan said, was like, "I don't think so he's that he's savvy." He's lying. So he's lying, yeah. and that's the thing, Dan. I would say that's Dan's biggest downfall, and always has been, is he he does always think he's the smartest guy in the room, and mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. he is. But I think when you underestimate someone's savviness, which we're seeing people do with Phaedra, right? Nobody's suspecting Phaedra. Because Not nobody one person has, has suspected her. The savvy, and we saw that with Sari last season too. Like, not one person suspect because. She just flies under the radar and they just don't think she's that savvy. And a lot of that is in relationship building, of course. But Parvati kind of sniffs it out and Dan dismisses her. And I thought it was interesting because Parvati was making the case that we should murder somebody that was in the house with us. Exactly, yes. Because to avoid that, the shield. Because we know that no one in the house has a shield. Since yeah. you could only win one if you were outside. Exactly. And Dan dismisses it and he says, I want to go for Berkey. And I... The episode ended, and I thought, why Bergy? I think it's because, oh, is that, is that your question? Well, it's like, no, I, I've got a theory. theory on what I think happened, but okay. I, I do, like, I'm wondering, because I initially was like, okay, well, if you have pegged Peter as the liar, why not Peter? Why Bergy? And I think, I guess it's because Bergy specifically said, like, until you show me otherwise or prove me different, I'm writing your name down in chalk on my board. I don't, I didn't even catch that until I, I did end up watching it twice. I think it's because Bergy was correct about Janelle. He oh. was the one, he was the one who was like, no, you guys, like, she is not a traitor. She's causing mm. too much chaos. Mm-hmm. And I think Dan was like, ooh, no, no, no. He's reading the situation correctly. So, ah, uh, uh, okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So, I'm curious, what do you think is going to happen? If you were um, to predict what happens next episode, what do you so think? So, it's happening? interesting because the way the structure of this show works is that we get a murder at the end of every episode that's revealed. At the beginning, the beginning of yeah. the next episode, and then there's a, a voting the out. Round table. I actually don't know because, yeah, Bergie has a shield, right? Bergie's got a shield, and we do see in the flash forward or the preview that we see him at the round table. Oh. It kind of it shows, you know, them all at the round table, and you see Dan. This is where you see Dan. They're alluding to Dan kind of accusing somebody or saying, I think it's this. And they show people there. They show Bergie there. I have no idea, but I think that uh no actually i have no idea see sometimes it's like sometimes i'm just like following along for the fun uh stuff in the moment and this is where like my strategic brain is not fine-tuned but i did 
think that's why he mentioned Fergie's name. And I was in, it was curious to me that he dismissed Parvati so quickly when she was so smart that she said the exact thing that was happening. And it was interesting because she didn't push back. And it's interesting because I think about her time on Survivor and I don't remember her doing a lot of pushing back then Mm. either. She kind of just like executed on things. So my I next think question. She's also just trying to be careful because she started to ruffle feathers with the house. Oh, for sure. And I don't know that I've ever seen Parvati shaking like that because she's always been in a position kinda of, she's been in a position of power. She usually has all the numbers from a survivor standpoint on her side. Yeah. So I, I was interesting. Do you think Dan's long for this world? Oh, I think he could easily be voted out soon because the this other thing. The traitors have been holding on a long time. There are three of them. I think they're all feeling the the fact of the matter that one of them's going soon. I think actually the fact that Janelle was not a traitor is going to be really revealing for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, look, who who were we talking about before then? <laughs> like uh, the guy who's still here. Totally. So a couple, couple considerations, especially with Kate coming in. I'll be interested to see what they do. We also know Dr. Will Kirby, who was one of the earlier winners of Big Brother. I think when you ask, if you ask a Big Brother fan who's the like most elite and best winner of Big Brother... People, you'd probably get a 50-50 split between Dr. Will Kirby and Dan. And I don't think he's joining, so I don't know in what capacity they're going to bring him in. Wait, they're bringing in more people? They're bringing in, I read on the People article that it was going to be Kate and Dr. Will Kirby. But the way that Kate was worded was that she was joining the cast. And the way that the Dr. Will Kirby thing was worded was that he's essentially going to kind of show up. It wasn't worded that he's joining the cast. So a couple considerations. So once we got to about, I want to say give or take episode six in season one, two things had happened. One, a trader had already gone home. And two they ended up recruiting another trader. Now, whether that was... And the way that they positioned this recruiting of the trader is that they could go to somebody and they could... They wouldn't know who it was, uh, but they could go to somebody and leave one of those, you know, Alan's notes and say, we want you to join us as a trader, but that person could say, I want to... Like, basically be given a choice. Do you want to continue as a faithful or do you want to be a trader? And so that made things really interesting in season one because the person that they brought in actually ended up going to the final episode and is ended up like, it was really controversial the way that Sari won. I loved it because I love that stuff, but he was um, Ari from The Bachelor. And so it was one of those things like, oh, they recruited somebody late. He kind of came in late and he benefited from this really great traders game plan the whole time. So that's a, con- that's a consideration. The uh, other consideration is, if there's three traders standing at the end of this, there's only so long they can play this together as a team. Yeah. They have, yeah. like, it, they're not going to split this money three ways. They'll split it two ways at most because that's the compromise that they'll be willing to make, but they're not even going to want to do that. So Dan and Parvati, I don't know if Phaedra is thinking about this just yet, but Dan and Parvati are definitely thinking about which one of them to get rid of. Dan mm-hmm. and Parvati are thinking about Phaedra Parvati's thinking about Phaedra, but Dan's also thinking about Parvati. So my theory, I had a friend text me and she was like, Dan's getting, he's going to get sent home at the round table next episode. There's no way he does it. And I said, I bet Parvati goes home. And Mm. she goes, what, like, where would you get that from? And I, she was like, well, you know, it's like, she was confused because Bergie was there. And I was like, so here's the deal. I think he tries to murder Mm Bergie. He can't murder Bergie because Bergie's got a shield. 
they're then going to get to the round table. And what's the first thing that Bergie or anyone's going to do? They're going to accuse Dan. And this is why I said earlier on, what Dan says is going to carry weight because he hasn't said anything previously to this. So what I think Dan is going to do is I think he's going to say, I've been really holding off and hesitant on saying something until I knew what this was going to look like or I felt a little bit more confident on who I could, who I could accuse. And I think he's going to accuse Parvati. And I think he's going to have Peter and Bergie and any of those oh, other people yeah. that know immediately go, I think Peter's going to go, Oh, well, I did tell Parvati. Dan's next move has to be accusing a traitor because otherwise they're going to know he is a traitor. Yep. Wow. Yep. I love that so theory. So that's my theory. That's what I think is going to happen. And and the other part of me is this is how Dan plays. Like Dan is, he said it last night in the episode, like I do my best work with my back against the wall and it's true. And so I think he's masterful of, of getting himself out of these little sticky situations. Yeah. So the question will be one, you know, is that what happens? And two, will it just be him and Phaedra or will they end up having to bring, you know, a third person in? Wow. Well, all will be revealed. All will be revealed. Next week Next on week. The Traitors. The Traitors. <laughs> oh my gosh, so fun. Well, so that's it for the traders for this week is there anything else you're watching well i can tell you what i'm gonna watch that i'm super excited to talk about next week and hopefully i can talk you into watching it as well uh are, have you heard of the new jacqueline novak special that's on netflix i saw it live i saw it live last year uh run don't walk uh it's hilarious i'm super excited to rewatch it even though i saw it live it's called get on your knees it's essentially an ode to a blowjob uh really really funny I started watching season one of X-Files. Um, that'll be quite quite a, a journey, I'm sure, that I'll be talking about more in the future. So there's a three little three-episode docuseries that just came out that kind of exploded on the internet called American Nightmare. That is wild. Is it like a true crime <clears throat> adjacent sort of thing? Yeah. So See, it's... I'm not a true crime girl. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. love it. No. It's um essentially about a couple in Vallejo. So I think, you know, I'm in the Bay Area. You are from the Bay Area. It definitely like hits home a little bit. What I loved about it, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but what I loved about it is it, it, it's got a really solid beginning, middle, and end. And it takes you through the journey of what it's like to be a woman and not be listened to, not be believed, not be heard, to be laughed at. It was it was a lot, but wow. it was very good. Um, I know you're not a true crime girly, but... Um, not a true crime girly. I'll fill all the people in on all the true crime stuff as it comes out. Yeah, what about you Colts? can be... You, you like Colts? No, no. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm more of a... Well, what I've been watching, or what I did watch this week, which I was delighted by, is Chrissy and Dave Dine Out. Oh, good. How is that? It was so fun. It's Chrissy Teigen and Dave Chang, and what it is is Chrissy invites, well, they all invite a couple of guests. Also, Joel Kim Booster is on it, and he's there oh. every time. So they oh, choose I love a restaurant. Joel Kim Booster. I, I love him, too. I there every time. So they choose a restaurant, and the first episode is Chris Bianco's uh, Pizza Place in downtown L.A., mm. and... Uh, Dave is in the back of the house with the chef, learning all about the food. They're having a good time, oh, like chit chatting. And Chrissy's out front chit chatting, just having a regular conversation with the guests. And part of the tagline says, "No topic is off limits." So they like 
talk about some stuff and you're like, oh, wow, I don't know if I would want to be talking about this on national television. The guests are Jimmy Kimmel and Molly McNearney, and uh, they Who's just have wife, a dinner. Right? Who's his wife, okay. and she's also the head writer on his show. And so then uh, Dave comes out and joins them, and so does the head chef. It's just, like, really cute and sweet and heartwarming, and it's really interesting to see chefs talk about the food that they make. And, of course, Dave really respects him, but Chris Bianco is, like, so funny and, like, laid back. So it was just a delight. Is this a weekly episodic release, or are all the yeah. episodes? Okay. Unfortunately, weekly, because as soon as the first one ended, I was like, I love this. I want to watch more of this. And so I actually ended up replaying it because it was like an hour long. And as we all do, I started getting distracted by my phone. So I missed a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll have to check that out because I've been excited for it to come out. But I was like, okay, if they're dropping all the episodes, I was going to put it on the back burner. But if it's weekly, I don't know. They, they move traders to weekly. And I thought that was a great move. It's a bummer to not have it all at once. But know, it's appointment I, television. And I think it it's exciting. Like, it feels like the only streamer that doesn't have to do weekly is Netflix. Because everybody else needs you to stay subscribed. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll wait yeah. for the drops. Yeah, that's a conversation for another episode on what it these is. streamers are doing I to mean, us. <laughs> well, are there any other final thoughts about this week or TV or maybe past shows that you've been thinking about rewatching? No, I mean, I'll just say that I am not, I know you're a big rewatcher. Um, I'm actually not a big rewatcher. I've rewatched some of my favorite shows. I've rewatched Friends a couple times. I've rewatched uh, Don't Laugh at Me, but I've rewatched One Tree Hill. Um, I, I never, just I uh, never yuck your yum. <laughs> I just rewatched Sopranos. So I I um in the past year or so, um I googled the top like basically the top one hundred TV shows because a lot of them that I had I hadn't seen I hadn't seen The Wire initially. I have tried um, to watch The Wire so many times and I feel stupid because I can't I, understand what's happening. So I had watched it once and I watched the first season and I got to the second season and I was like, what is happening? And how did we get here? One thing you have to understand about The Wire is it's either three seasons or four seasons. Each season is focused on the the point of view of another type of group. Season one is focused on actually selling the drugs in the apartment complex and the street level drug dealers. Season two is focused on like these cargo ships and you start to kind of go like, why should I care about these cargo ships? Well, you start to understand like all the characters that are involved in the import. And then season three is focused on police corruption mm. and they're all tackling the same thing. They're all going after the same big drug dealer and they're just pulling other people in. But it does help to know that every season while it has the same through line, you're watching a different set of characters and understanding different storylines and it makes it really good. Um, but yeah, I watched Band of Brothers and there are some things that I'm going through and rewatching. However, I did just start X-Files. Yeah, it's going to be a long journey. I, I think it's nine original seasons and then in oh like 2015 God. or something. And that's they an did episode, too. like a show that has like 20 something episodes per season probably. So many. I'm Old on school. episode 24, I think, of season one. And yeah. I'm pretty sure there's at least one or two left don't in make that them like season. That anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They it's don't. It's funny because I wouldn't say, I'm actually not a big rewatcher, but I am in the sense that if I'm watching something like Succession that would come out weekly and had so much to it, mm. I would watch it multiple times while waiting for the next one. 
because I just loved it that much. Yeah. Other than I, that, I do like to have stuff on in the background, but it's something I've seen a bajillion times, like 30 Rock. Totally. Yeah. I don't I'm not do really a lot watching. of that. The reason that I'm able to get through the level and the amount of TV that I'm able to get through is one, I'm unemployed right now, you know, been out of work for a year. Uh, and two, I've always been a night owl. And part of that is mm. I really love my time to myself. And I know it's not great for my sleep schedule. It's not healthy when you lay in bed and you just watch episode after I mean, episode, but look, I, I love do it. Whatever your body needs. We're all different. Well, my body is saying, stop doing that. <laughs> But I love Your it. Body it's like is my not time. saying please press play on the next <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah. yeah, and so that's how I'm able to get through. You know, I, I don't watch any X Files during the day. I watch. I, I actually have kind of a strict X Files is such a nighttime myself. show. You cannot watch X Files in the day. Yeah, and, and same thing for Housewives. So I usually watch all my Bravo shows during the day. You won't catch me laying in bed watching a Bravo show because I love them so much and they bring me so much glee and I think they're so funny <laughs> that I'll never fall asleep. So I do my Bravo catch-ups during the day and my X Files or docu series. See, you've got it all figured out. Listen, it's taken me a while to get here, but we're here. <laughs> we're here. Amazing. Well, this has been so fun. I'm so glad we're doing it. I cannot me wait too. for the next week of The Traitors. The Traitors. I think that it's fun. Yeah, if we have something we're both watching together, we can chat about that. Mm -hmm. And then whatever else is bringing us joy. A hot tip, if you have Netflix on like something with an app, you can watch things at 1.5 speed, so you can get through even more television if you <laughs> need to do that. I haven't I gotten there yet, but may wow, or may not have done tip. that with certain movies that were moving a little slowly for me. Yeah, let's speed this up a little bit. Let's yeah, it's really a, a wild feature. Like, it makes sense for YouTube because sometimes it's like instructional stuff or whatever, yeah. but like speed for up. Netflix, yeah. that's like cultivated specifically <laughs> to be like. To watch something, pace. but watch it quickly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, I really love it, but not one time speed love it. Especially some things are made to slowly build. So when you're watching them at 1.5 speed, it's like, mm, are, you, are you getting the original intention? I will say I did watch... Uh, haunting of hill house at 1.5 speed one because it was a little too spooky at slow speed oh, I love and that two, show. because when i watched it 1.5 speed it actually wasn't that fast because everything was everything's so, so slow those shows that. are excellent but they are slow burns they so are slow burns 1.5 yeah. speed turn your you know hour episode into like 45 minutes love it Ba -da -da -ba -ba. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Feel free to give us a shout out. Let us know what you're watching. If you're watching the traders, give us your hot takes, your theories, your Alan coming fit checks. Also, all the other outfits. Man, a mm. lot of berets. Mm. Plenty of beret. A lot of Lots of tartan plaid. <laughs> yeah. We are full Scottish. We are in Scotland, that's for sure. Yes. Until next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>